We're taking an in-depth look at how Mike Babcock has used his defensemen throughout his coaching career. That's today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Hayden Househorn. With me is my co-host, Jay Foster. We're here to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of your favorite team and ours, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get going, we want to thank you for making this your first listen every day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms, YouTube, and the SiriusXM app. Zach Rensky made some comments after his beer league game this week to Craig Murs from NHL.com. He had a chance to grab this quote from Zach regarding his thoughts on the Mike Babcock hire, which now that we're a month in, has it's, it's kind of settled for people. I, I, I talked to this guy who is a friend of mine and who at first was not excited about the Babcock hire and for he had all of his reasons. But now that it's settled in for a month, he's kind of thought about it a little bit more and he's warmed up to the idea already. But let's hear exactly what the, the players have to say, because. Again, Zach Rensky skating at the Cap City Elite League this league was or this week was was pretty awesome to see. And of course, tons of people from Columbus came out to watch him play and watch other players play. And a, a lot of media members came out as well. And Zach was nice enough to speak after the game to some media guys. And he was asked about Mike Babcock and kind of his thoughts on that hire. We know he's obviously for it just because we're Zach Wierenski's from. He's from Gross Point, Michigan. Probably grew up a Red Wings fan, and you know, probably really likes Mike Babcock because he won the Red Wings uh, Stanley Cup back in the day and and whatnot. But here's what Zach had to say on Mike Babcock. He said, "You want your coach to fire you up and get your group going in the right direction." I think he's done that already from a month being here. So everyone's really excited to get to camp and get going and get a fresh start to the season. End quote. Pretty pretty good stuff there. I mean. It doesn't erase all that happened in 2019 with the falling out from the Maple Leafs and that quote-unquote bullying incident. I mean, that's just the best way to wrap it up. It was He was a bully in Toronto. But when you see a quote like that, Jay, do you think everyone on the team is fired up or do you think this is maybe just a, a Zach Rensky? Zach Rensky's just fired up and he's speaking on behalf of everyone. But we know different players come with different playing styles. Do you, do you believe him when he says everybody on the team is fired up for Mike Babcock? I think no is is the short answer there, but I don't necessarily think that's anything to worry about. Um, as far as I understand it, Mike Babcock is kind of taking it player by player. And, you know, he's speaking to the bigger, the bigger guys on the team first. So, you know, he's spoken to Johnny Gaudreau. He's spoken to Boone Jenner. Um, obviously, he's gone out and spoken to Wierenski. And he's probably going to make his way down the list. So, you know, I suspect we'll probably see more uh, quotes and articles like this, kind of as the summer goes, as you know, guys get back into town, as Mike Babcock like talked to them on the phone, or um, I believe when Wrensky went out to Babcock's place because he lives in Michigan in the off season, um, and they just hung out there. What I do think is interesting um, is when they announced the hire, there was a quote. I don't know what the exact quote was, but um, someone talked about how. 
Kekalainen had gone out and spoken to the veterans on the team before hiring Babcock. And now it kind of seems like it's coming out. I know Johnny Gaudreau wrote on record as saying he was wary initially, but now that he's spoken to him, he feels fine about it. Um, so I think it's interesting that they're saying, oh, well, we talked to the big guys before hiring him. And now it kind of feels like it's coming out of actually, this is the first time that a lot of guys are kind of hearing about it and getting to have their say, which I think is interesting. Um, I'm still not convinced by Babcock. I think he's doing and saying all of the right things, but I also said that about Brad Larson a couple of years ago. Um, I kind of will wait to see what the results are before I really kind of pass judgment on how Mike Babcock is for this team, I think. Um, But I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't still kind of wary about him and i do think that you know people can grow and change um which i believe uh if i pull the article up wensky also said that um you know uh, i think that's out the window i don't think guys have any second guesses on it i think guys are excited seems like talking for the guys that were already everyone came away fired up ready to go you know um i'm not as worried now as i was when they initially hired him but i think because of who players are and because of the kind of, like, I don't think there are players out there that are worried about Babcock coming in and, like, bullying them specifically, you know? I don't think anyone's sitting there and being like, man, I hope he doesn't come in and terrorize me every single day because I don't think that hockey players think like that. You know, if I thought about it, um, my guess would be that hockey players are like, yeah, Mike Babcock can win us games, let's go, you know? Um, which is Which is probably the right attitude to have. You know, I think I think a posit- coming in with a positive attitude about your new boss is probably the the right way to go about things. Um, so I'm not worried necessarily, um, but I, I am not surprised that every player is speaking out about how he's getting them fired up. Um, I still, I know, I, I I've said this basically every time on this on this podcast. Prove me wrong, you know. I would love to be proven wrong. Show me that you have grown and changed and learned your lesson from the way that you interacted with players in both Toronto and in Detroit. Because, you know, it goes all the way back to Detroit. And I believe all the way back to even coaching when he was with the Ducks um, in like 2002, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge we'll see. And in fact, all we can do is really compare the footprints he's left behind and try to predict how those are going to match up with what he's working with in Columbus. I'd actually like to do that, and we will here in just a second. First, I want to tell you guys about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Take a swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel. You get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. You just put 20 bucks into the account, and you'll land a $200 bonus bet. It's, it's pretty pretty awesome to use when you put money in and you just get all this extra money on top $200 in bonus bets that's money that you can spend betting everything from money line to over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a game you can bet the over under on strikeouts for a pitcher you can bet you know no runs first inning that's a big bet that me and my buddies like to take a lot because baseball games can be kind of boring sometimes But you can do it all on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that $200 bonus and bonus bets. That's right. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. $200 in bonus bets 
all that you can use on Major League Baseball. All right, back to the conversation. We're talking about Mike Babcock. He's coming to Columbus. He The conversation specifically today is about how Zach Renski made comments, and we're doing our season reviews on defensemen anyway. So I thought it'd be a really good idea to take a look at – well, actually, Jay thought it'd be a good idea to take a look at what Mike Babcock has done with defensemen in the past, including, you know, the Ducks, the Red Wings, Toronto. I don't know what you have specifically, Jay, but I'm very intrigued to hear kind of the numbers that you uh, found when when talking about what Mike Babcock did with defensemen at uh, at other places. And, and what did you find? Uh, yeah, so first off, I wanted to... I, I took a quick look at the Red Wings numbers, but also that's so long ago. Like I went all the way back to 2005, which was his first season as the head coach. Um, and like Nick Lindstrom was still playing in that season. Uh, he averaged 28 minutes a night. Oh, averaged. Oh. So it's, it's, you know, the way that people utilize defensemen in the NHL as a whole has changed a lot since then. Um, it's very much, it's, it's way more balanced. And so I kind of, I took a quick flick through, uh, the Red Wings up to like 2015 ish. Uh, you go to 2008, um, Nick Lidstrom is still playing an average of 25 minutes a night. Uh, Brad Stewart is playing 24, Nick Cronwell playing 23. Um, you know, so they really are running like four defensemen at that point. And then the other guys get a look in, um, it goes down. Nick Cromwell uh, only played 48. Oh, that was the right, the lockout shortened season, the 2012 2013 uh, leading ice time score. Uh, leading average ice time was 24 minutes in that season for the Red Wings. So, like, they're still at that point in, in hockey generally. They're still r- basically running four defensemen and still kind of taking pride in this. Oh, we have a guy that can play 30 minutes a night easily. Then you look at the, the Leafs. And it's it's way different. Um, so the first season that Mike Babcock was coaching the Maple Leafs, uh, they had uh, their top six defensemen in terms of average time on ice were Morgan Riley, Matt Hunwick, Dion Phaneuf, Jake Gardner, Roman Polak, and Martin Marincin. Um All of those guys played under an average of under 24 minutes a night. Um the highest was Morgan Riley with 23-13 was his average, um, which is still a little high for my liking, but I feel way better about that. Um, and then as you kind of go through and look at how the ice time uh, kind of changes, then it uh, it gets a little bit different. Uh, Morgan Riley's average drops down to 22-10 the season after that. The season after that, uh, it's at 22-31. After that, it's at 23.07. This is all Morgan Riley. He's been leading the team in ice time for basically the last 10 years. Um, And then it's tough to kind of look at the 2019-2020 season uh, because A, it was cut short. um, And B, it was... um, He got got fired halfway through. So uh, it's tough to look at that and say what he had an impact on and what he didn't. Um, Morgan Riley, for what it's worth, played 24-12 on average uh, over 47 games in that season. Then you go ahead and you flip over to, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at people at the minute, but I will, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in a little bit more detail in just a second. Um, last se- oh, season before last, 
the 2021-22 season, Zakarensky played an average of 25 minutes and 39 seconds on average. Uh, Tazav wow. Gabrikov was just before that with 22-17, Andrew Peake at 21-28, Jake Bean at 20-34. Um, and then Adam Boquist, uh, Brad Larson really did not like Adam Boquist. Uh, he played an average of 17 minutes uh, two seasons ago, and then wow. uh, this season he played an average of 18.38, which feels real low to me. This season, uh, the Blue Jackets had their top four defensemen with Zach Wierenski, Vladislav Gavrikov, Erika Branson, and Andrew Peake. Uh, obviously, Wierenski only played 13 games, but in those 13 games, he had an average of 23.35 ice time, um, and that is... Well, A, it's a small sample size, and B, I'm just pulling up um, what Wierenski played in terms of time on ice, the game he got injured in, because I feel like it was a real early on in the game. Uh, yeah, he only played six minutes um, in the game he got injured in. The games before that, uh, he played... Oh, God, there we go. Uh, the, the games before that, he played 22, 23, 23, 24, 24, 24, 25, 26, 27. And then he played uh, 28 minutes on November 4th. Like, wow. what we, like I, I don't, I don't understand how you're going to lean so hard on that one guy, because that was, Wierenski, I feel like was the big, the first big um, injury on the back end. And so he, the fact was. That he was already playing that much worries me. And if he hadn't been injured, would he have continued playing? That much? Probably. So, um, what all of this means, this is a very long-winded way of saying, um, I expect the defense to be way more well-balanced this season uh, because of two things. One, looking at the numbers, Mike Babcock uh, tends to roll four to five defensemen um, way more often. Uh, the Blue Jackets, they like to roll between three and four. Um, if I go back to the most recent full season uh, that Mike Babcock coached the Leafs for, um, their highest, so they had their top six defensemen, the sixth guy, played an average of 17 minutes and 18. Uh, so there's a standard, between him and Morgan Riley at 23.07, there's a standard, there's a deviation of about six minutes there. When you go and you look at the sixth ice time defenseman for the Blue Jackets, uh, we'll take last season for this because... Everyone was injured this season, so it's kind of tough to to take a real big stab at it. But their sixth uh, defenseman on ice was uh, Boquist at seventeen oh two, and then leading was Warinsky at over twenty five and a half. So over a minute and a half more is the spread. So I expect my Babcock to play his defenseman way more balanced. Um, and I think also, again, having a pairing like Severson and Provorov will help massively because that's a pairing that you can depend on. Having, it, it's been weird the last couple of seasons for the defense with the Blue Jackets because I feel like since losing Seth Jones, the, the defense has been swimming. Um, and I don't know whether that's poor defensive structure from the coaching. I don't know whether that's, again, injuries from last season. I don't know whether that's just that they don't have the manpower. But having a legitimate top four this season, I think, 
it's going to make Mike Babcock's job a lot easier because if you have two pairings that you're happy to throw out on the ice, basically any situation, and that's in my mind what your Warensky, whoever, uh, Proverson, Proverson, wow, Proverov, Severson pairings should be. I think we're going to see a lot more balance. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. And I, oh, I that think was a lot right. of math and and talking it to just kind of throw at. No, that at was people. fantastic. Hopefully you guys are still here. No, that was absolutely fantastic. You laid it out for us pretty good. The conclusion, I guess, out of that was Zach Wierenski needs to play a little bit less and mm-hmm. um, just to keep him healthier and just to and then, and then maybe that's not Zach. That's obviously not Zach's fault. Maybe that's not even Brad Larson's fault because, mm-hmm. as you said, the the D core has kind of just been treading water since Seth Jones has left. It felt like, and I won't even say since Seth Jones left, but Seth Jones left. I'd say also since you know David Savard left. Like it's been, it's been tough to get this D core really at a competitive level to where the team can compete and make the playoffs like it's it's not a competitive it's not a playoff decor but now that we're bringing i like just that you wrapped it up in, into one name there now that we're bringing Provison, yeah <laughs> in, now that we're bringing provison in i think it this provides babcock the opportunity to, to spread it out a little bit more and and i think when you look at what he was working with work working with in toronto i can't speak today for some reason but when you look at what he was working with in, with in toronto Morgan Riley was his best defenseman. I think Morgan Riley's good. I was going to say, I'm a big Morgan Riley fan, as long as you okay. don't make him play defense too often. But, like, looking at... Again, so I'm back in 2018-19 here. Um, the defense core for this team, uh, post-trade deadline, was Morgan Riley, uh, Jake Gardner, Jake Muzzin, who I liked a lot, and Nikita Zaitsev, Ron Hainsey, played an average of 20 minutes a night. Uh, and then Travis Dermott was was the sixth guy. Like, that's not a great... I think the Blue Jackets right now have a way better decor than that. Yeah, I, I'd actually love to get into that in just a second. So hold that thought. We're going to compare this Blue Jackets team to the Toronto Maple Leafs that Mike Babcock inherited, the Detroit Red Wings that Mike Babcock coached. We're going to do that in just a minute. Welcome back to Locked on Blue Jackets. It's time to discuss what this version of an NHL team that Babcock's inheriting, how how does it compare to other versions of NHL teams he's been inheriting? Because throw out the jersey colors, throw out the time and the place. At the end of the day, we know that those things don't really, or at least they shouldn't matter into how that team competes on the ice. The players that the Blue Jackets are getting, or the players that Babcock is getting from the Blue Jackets, I think, as it stands right now, should be better than the team that he got in Detroit. And I know that's a huge stretch because that team in Detroit was unbelievable with Datsuk, Zetterberg, Lindstrom, and then like guys like Brian Rafalski just decided to sign back in Detroit. I think this team in Columbus, Jay, is ready to compete for a Stanley Cup right now. I just think the talent is is there. I think it's there. I think – the hard part is getting them to play together. And if he doesn't get them to play together right away, I'm just going to straight up be shocked and and disappointed in him. And I'll probably call for him to get fired maybe by December if the Blue Jackets are bad. Like that's how I that's how much I'm starting to believe in this Blue Jackets team. 
But Jay, when you look at the roster up and down compared to other places that he's coached, but even specifically the decor, because that's the conversation today. When you look at this decor with a uh, rising star in Juracek coming into the league, uh, Zach Renski already here, and then the big offseason moves to get Provis in, how are we feeling about what Mike Babcock is being handed in terms of the decor? I mean, I in no way would compare. I want to get this out of that. I am in no, I in no way would compare this to the Red Wings teams of old of, you know, Lidstrom and Cromwell and Datsuk and Zetterberg. And like, I just checked uh, the defense core for the last uh, year that Babcock was coaching the Red Wings. Uh, they had Nicholas Cromwell, Danny DeKaiser, Jonathan Erickson, Kyle Quincy, Marek Zidlicki and Brendan Smith. Like that, to me... That's still a pretty good. Yeah, it's very good. You know, like they were kind yeah, of on the on good. the way out a little bit with their, with their like they were all kind of on a downward a downward trajectory at that point. I feel like, um, but then you look at like like I said the the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's look at the season that they had when Babcock was uh, was fired. Morgan Riley. They had Tyson Barry that they'd picked up in a trade they picked him up at the trade deadline i believe so he was not um he wasn't there when babcock was so morgan riley jake muzzin cody cc justin hall travis dermott um and rasmus sandin uh, who only played 28 games that season but again i look at the blue jackets right now and like I think you can pair you put Warensky, Provorov and Severson against any three of those guys and I think that's a better team, you know, and that's not even bringing, that's not even looking at, you know, okay, does Juracek make the jump to the NHL? Does Boquist find another gear? Does Erica Branson remember how to play defense? Like, do I think this team is a Stanley Cup contender right now? No, no, absolutely not. Um, this team has, this team has a ways to go before they, before they get there. Are they a playoff contender? Maybe. I, I, I right now, and this is something I've kind of been been talking a little bit about and thinking a little bit about, like, what's my best case scenario for the Blue Jackets this season? Make the playoffs. Maybe win a round. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. going to be, I'm not going to be, like, disappointed if the Blue Jackets miss the playoffs this season. Um, and like, I will be disappointed if they are a lottery team. But if they missed, if they finish, like, ninth in the East, I'm not going to be mad about it. You know, I'll be I'll be annoyed, but I'm not going to be like, wow, this team sucks because they'll have taken a step forward. You know, I don't think you can go from being a team as bad as the Blue Jackets were this season to contending for a cup the season after. I don't care how injured you are. I don't care how good the players that you've gotten are like you just you don't get turnaround that fast. What I want from this season is I want to see progress. Um, Will we get that kind of progress under Mike Babcock? I think it'll be we'll, we'll find out again. It's going to be tough to gauge just how much of an impact coaching has this season because the roster looks so different, especially on defense, you know? So it'll be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to look back at the end of next season and try and figure out what was going on. And was this just that the Blue Jackets were healthy and had a decent defensive core? Was it Mike Babcock's coaching? You know, I will say that the coach who ran the defense last season, Steve McCarthy, is still on the on the coaching staff. So we might be able to get in through that to kind of look at how, like, how much influence does he have on on the defense? 
um, because that's that's just kind of how the NHL works now. You know, the it used to be that the head coach would run everything. Now they have assistant coaches. One guy runs the offense, one guy runs the defense. So um, I've completely forgotten the name of the other assistant head coach. Um, For the Jackets? Yeah. The, we, we were talking about hiring him as the head coach, and I've completely... Pascal just, Vincent, yeah. Thank you, Pascal Vincent. I was like, Sylvain Lefebvre, that's not... That's a, that's a completely different dude. Um, <laughs> you know, so both of those guys are still here. They're going to be running the offense and the defense. But if I'm Mike Babcock, like I am keeping, cl- I am keeping a very close eye on Steve McCarthy this season. Yeah. I want to be clear also when I said in that last segment that I think the Blue Jackets are, have the talent to win a Stanley Cup. That that is a very blanketed statement we media members like to throw out there for any team. Like, well, oh yeah, they have the talent to do it all. It's just I'm I'm not saying that they will do it all. That that's genuinely how I feel though. I think the Blue Jackets are that, you know, that house that you buy for hundred and fifty thousand dollars that has you know, good acreage is in a good location. Where are you where are you buying a house that only costs hundred and fifty thousand dollars in this movie? Dude, dude, you should see how much they cost in Columbus now. Living in Columbus costs the same amount as living in Los Angeles. So that's kind of how brutal it is right now. But yes, the Columbus Blue Jackets are that house that you buy that has really good bones. And it's up to you to turn it into uh, a half a million dollar home if you can, if you have the hands. What you're saying is Mike Babcock is both property brothers. I'm saying, yes, he's property brother. He's rolling up. And his truck, you know, he's got a you know utility belt on with all of his uh, tools. He got a tool belt on, and he's just like, "All right, let's get to work. Like, let's gut the bathrooms. You know, let's gut. Let's let's do it all." Um, that's what he's showing up with. And listen, I think I also think that when you look at Mike Babcock and you look at what he did in in Detroit, he he didn't coach Johan Franzen to breaking Gordie Howe records. You know, Johan Franzen just went out and did that. Like, like a lot of things had to go right. He didn't coach Chris Osgood to just that, just keeping the puck out of the net night in, night out. Like, like he just had really great talent that was there ready to play. And they, those were, uh, that was a team that came together for a city that really, really needed it at the time. You know, Columbus doesn't really need the Blue Jackets to be good, if that makes sense. Like, going back to our conversation the other day, Jay, about is Columbus a hockey town, it's not necessarily a bad thing to not be a hockey town because sometimes a hockey town is a is a state of a city that's doing so bad that they just need the hockey team to be good. I don't – and I'm making this into something bigger than what it is, but my point is, is like, what is this Blue Jackets team playing for necessarily? Like, what what is their – kind of their underlying like we need to go when like are they just trying to is it just that's just they're an NHL team and that's just what you do you just go try to win a cup I mean maybe that's a stupid question but I'm saying like what is it about this Blue Jackets team what is it that's going to bring them together is it going to be you know Elvis Merz Lincoln's having the year of his life is it going to be Patrick Laine breaking like Rick Nash records like what, what is it going to be about this team I don't know I don't think it's going to be all like we're going to point we're going to get into the middle of the season and be like it's Mike Babcock the one that's changing all this around. I think we will do that a little bit, but I also like I want to I somebody's got to 
somebody's got to rise above what we expect them to do. You know what I mean? Like, is it going to be David Yerichek coming in and having an unreal season? Or is it going to be Adam Fantilli coming in and having, you know, going and winning the Calder? I don't know. But the truth is, I think there's just immense, immense talent in this organization. And I just would hate to see it go to waste because a coach comes in and doesn't know what he's doing. But I think as we've looked through how Mike Babcock has managed his time on ice with certain players at other teams, I think we feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, do we feel like Mike Babcock has a better understanding of how to manage time on ice than Brad Larson does yet? Uh, yes, but that's only because I think it would be hard to do worse, um, in in fairness. Um like well, I've talked about it, we've talked about it at length on the show. Before you jumped on, I had talked about it at length on my own. You know, more so with the forwards because it's easier to kind of find line combinations ice time for forwards. Um, Natural Star Trek has uh, a a drop down thing, and you can go ahead and you can try and find out what was the most used light line at five v five for any team at any given season. And this season for the Blue Jackets, the most used five on five ice time. Uh, the, the most used line at five on five was Sean Corrali, Eric Robinson, and Matthew Olivier. You know, and and that that kind of that kind of speaks to Brad Larson's coaching style. I think um, I'm really interested to see what Mike Babcock does with this team. Like you said, it's it's kind of a it's not a rundown, abandoned old house, but it definitely you know. It definitely needs like new floors putting in and someone needs to dig that weird tree out of the backyard. Like there's, <laughs> there's some work to be done here. It's a, it's a fixer upper, you know, um, Is the tree, Eric Branson. No, I'm, I plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this season reviews coming up. We'll see then. We'll see then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a team that's got growth to do. I'm curious as to how much, growing uh, is going to be uh, because of Mike Babcock or how much growing is going to be him kind of leaving like play, hands off you know because sometimes trees you know, the trees grow whether you want them to or not sometimes you know mm. I'm losing control of this of this tree metaphor here but I'll be interested to see how much pressure Mike Babcock puts on these players to win and how much of his job is making them a better team as opposed to a better group of players, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's just, and it's that one of those things we, we just don't know. We can only sit here and talk about and imagine, but truly that's the exciting part of an NHL season. Once you get going, the storylines kind of write themselves, and we're going to have a, a really fun uh, season coming up here getting into all of it and I think every Jackets fan feels that way and they cannot wait to get back into Nationwide in just a uh, little over 70 days here when the Blue Jackets take on the Flyers that's really cool not all right, I, counting or anything we're not counting <laughs> I, I just gave you something like I know there's a seven I know it's 70 something how about that I'm never quite accurate with my numbers 70 something days till the Blue Jackets play the Flyers uh, don't count them because you'll go crazy but uh, I think we made Jay talk about Mike Babcock enough today. He did a really good job laying it out for us. So I appreciate you, man, for that. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's episode, guys. Tomorrow we're going to have an even more fun conversation, I think, as we 
do a deep dive into the Metropolitan Division. How likely is it that the Jackets land a top three spot in that division and make the playoffs? Who are going to be the bottom feeders this upcoming season in that division? Is it going to be the Jackets again? That's all tomorrow. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms, YouTube, and the SiriusXM app. If you're watching on YouTube, I apologize. My wife is still out of town. She's going to be – her plane's landing here in about an hour. So I have an hour to shave and clean up all the transgressions I uh, partook in on, on while she was gone. But uh, you can find the show on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at HaydenH971. You can find Jay on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the show on Twitter at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. Is it still Twitter or is it, is it X now, Jay? I'm sorry. I will I've... call it Twitter. They will rip Twitter from my cold, dead hands. I refuse okay. to call it the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I refuse to call it the other thing. Well, but uh, thank you once again for listening. Oh, excuse me. If you want to email the show, you can email the show LockedOnBlueJackets at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening, and until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.